Hey guys, excited for today's episode. Thanks for taking a listen. I want to thank some people keeping us on the air. Your CBD store, get the ABCs of CBD at cbdrx4u.com. That's the number four, the letter U.com. Uh, just released an episode not long ago with our friends from MW Therapy. You deserve to love using your EMR. If you're not, it's time for something better, something customizable. MW Therapy can help you out. Check out their website, mwtherapy.com. We're switching your EMR is easy. And where's your career going? Jackson Therapy Partners providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Travel PT. Learn more now at jacksontherapy.com. Guest today is a fantastic guy. Can't say enough nice things about him. He's also my boss. So it's you know, it's always good to talk good about your boss. But here's the thing, he's my boss because He's a nice, smart, innovative guy. It's chicken or the egg there. Uh, his name is David Petrino. He's no stranger to this program. He's got the coolest job title ever, uh, Director of Rehab Innovations, Director of Rehabilitation Innovation at Mount Sinai Hospital. He's also a professor. Uh, he also runs a research lab where we do rehabilitation research. Uh, he's got a great saying, and he brings it up in this episode, as well as uh, frequently in lab meetings, which is, uh, nothing about us without us. And if that doesn't really summarize what, what the work that's done at Mount Sinai and the Abilities Research Center, that's the lab David runs and then I get to work at, uh, if that doesn't sum things up and how we should approach things, I don't know what does. Uh, David's on the show to talk about this huge event. If you're listening to this the day we release this episode, this event that David's giving the keynote at uh, will be tomorrow. But don't worry. Like everything else these days, there, there will be a replay. So this event we're talking about is the Long COVID Physio Forum. Now, Long COVID Physio was this, um, well, movement, which started as like a social media account and then grew to like a team of people and a website, um, all focused on the treatment of people living with and the, the people around those people, Long COVID. I mean, I remember one of the first episodes we discussed what this Long COVID thing was, and it was at some point this thing didn't exist, and now it very much does. Uh, this forum is going on, as I mentioned, tomorrow, which is September 9th and the 10th. It is online and international with speakers from more than 17 different countries. I, I get to host the event, which means I get to interact with the guests. But you know what? Since it's online, it'll be interactive for you too. So check the link in the show notes and how you can learn how to best treat people with living, uh, people living with long COVID. You owe it to them. If you're a rehab professional, if you're listening, and you're someone living with long COVID, they owe it to you. They, they do. So the forum will be two days worth of information, insight, stories, knowledge, all around this one thing that is affecting so many lives. Uh, David is giving one of the keynote addresses. He'll be doing his keynote on Saturday morning. Uh, Emma Stokes of World Physio is uh, leading off the keynote on the first day. So uh, in this uh, little discussion with David, we talk about uh, some thoughts around long COVID. Where have we started and where are we now and how have we gotten there? And he gives some highlights to his keynote address, the three things you'll actually learn. Uh, David, as always, clear, concise, and directly on the point of paying attention to what we're talking about. And I think ultimately what we're talking about is, is not long COVID. We're talking about people. And that's what David focuses on, as always. Uh, so take a listen to the episode. Thank you guys so much for spending time with this. And if you'd like to listen to more about this 
topic, uh, that long COVID physio forum. Can't say enough about it. Thanks to our friends from Owens Recovery Science, uh, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. Without further ado, and you know how much I love me some ado, uh, my friend and boss, David Petrino on PT Pinecast. This is, this is the PT Pinecast. Uh, a lot of work has gone into this uh, this long COVID physio forum that I've been asked to MC or host for some reason from my living room because that's what we do now. Uh, yeah. th- there was an online Twitter poll, should I wear the tuxedo? And then the answer was yes. And I said, should I wear the top half and the bottom half? And- <laughs> I will not disclose the 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 the, the poll results for that, um, but we first talked about long COVID in 2020. We've been having similar conversations about long COVID, about what we've learned for more than two years. So you've been listening, which I think is important to put first: listening and talking or communicating with people who are living with long COVID before there was the term long COVID. What are some of the biggest, uh, the bigger lessons that you've learned? You share a lot on your your Twitter feed about the lessons that you've learned. But, w- w- you know, when I ask that question, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, um, one of the first things that we think about when, when we're trying to manage the care of someone with long COVID or think about clinical trials for investigating an element of long COVID is, I I think the most important lesson we learned has been that naming matters, words matter, the characterization of symptoms matter, because there are so many ways that you can mess up what you're looking at or what you're looking for by assuming that somebody has long COVID Um, just because they're experiencing persistent symptoms after a COVID infection, but you're not thinking about the quality of symptoms they're experiencing, the frequency of of symptoms they're experiencing, and the underlying pathology behind the symptoms that they're experiencing. So a concrete example of what I mean there is that somebody who has cardiac damage that they sustained because of a COVID infection and they're still experiencing fatigue and exertional intolerance and um, shortness of breath and all of these symptoms that we might think, hey, this seems a lot like long COVID, their physiology is going to look very, very different to someone who is experiencing symptoms that look more consistent with a diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis they did not have a severe COVID infection that resulted to w- resulted in cardiac damage, and uh, and now they're experiencing progressively debilitating symptoms. So, I think that a lot of the misunderstandings and the misconceptions around how best to treat a, a condition like long COVID comes from us not being curious enough as clinicians, us not being um, engaged enough to ask the right questions, to follow up a question with the, the correct follow-up, uh, you know, investigation. So it's not enough to just stop at, are you fatigued? Yes, I'm fatigued. Well, 
tell me about the quality of the fatigue. Tell me about when the fatigue comes on, what makes it worse, what makes it better. These are skills that we as clinicians, we all learned in our schooling. And for some reason, for whatever reason, whether it be a lack of professional or, or academic curiosity or a lack of time or you know just general burnout over the last few years, we're not asking the important questions that will tell us what these symptoms are like and how we can treat them. Is it confusion? Is it fear? Is it because people don't, I, I, you know, the phrase that comes to mind is confused people don't. But if you're a professional, if you're a rehabilitation professional, you need to educate yourself, right? You can't just say, I don't get it and I'm going to walk away. So that's why, you know, you having the keynote, one of the keynotes for Long COVID Physio Forum, confused people don't. What do we know as best practice right now? And that's what, to me, that's what this forum will do. It will share what we know. It will share people's lived experiences. So that's why I'm excited for this resource because I don't, that can't be an excuse. You're a professional. You know how to do these things. I understand long COVID didn't exist two and a half years ago, but it does now. And you need to educate yourself. You need to ask those questions. Absolutely. And uh, you know, a lot of my presentations about long COVID have been about rehabilitation management of long COVID. Um, but given the, the scope and the breadth of the long COVID physio forum that is, is upcoming, I actually feel really satisfied that we're going to have phenomenal clinicians talking about really common sense ways that clinicians can help to manage the symptoms, help to treat some of the symptoms of long COVID. So much so that that is not what I'm going to focus on my, my, um, my keynote. What I'm going to focus on is the pathobiology. What do we currently know? What are we, what are we studying on the physiological side that shows us that people with long COVID are different from people without long COVID? In black and white, clear as day, and how should clinicians integrate that into their practice to make sure that they're giving their patients, even if we can't cure a person with long COVID right in this moment, at the very least, by objectively categorizing some of the things that we will talk about in the keynote, they can give people with long COVID the best chance of making sure that insurance doesn't leave them out in the cold, making sure that short and long-term disability and workers' compensation claims are honored for these individuals who meet the recommendation of a person, meet the guidelines or, or the accreditation of a person with a disability under the ADA. And, um, you know, and, and really just make sure that uh, we can take care of these patients long-term as they continue to battle the symptoms that that they're they're fighting as a result of their long COVID. Uh, I tweeted uh, at you recently. I said, "Hey, David, what are three things someone's going to walk away with uh, from your keynote?" I'm going to read one. I'm going to read them one by one and just el elaborate a little more. So, number one was after experiencing your keynote, people are going to learn how to be a better clinical provider to folks with long COVID and other infection-associated illnesses. It sounds like you were just talking about some of that. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we are going to be doing uh, in this presentation is walking through the current toolkit that we have to measure symptoms and to understand 
the extent to which a symptom is causing difficulties in participation and disability and so on and so forth. Because I think one of the things that, um, uh, you know, you, you speak about this idea of um, confused people don't, you know, uh, confused, you know, clinicians often get confused when they hear symptoms that are difficult to quantify. I am experiencing fatigue. I am experiencing post-exertional malaise. A clinician doesn't know what to do with that. So they write down patient reports or even worse, <laughs> patient complains of this symptom, that symptom. We're going to talk about how you measure those symptoms because believe it or not, we have well-validated scales to measure severity of fatigue, severity of post-exertional malaise, severity of cognitive impairment. And we can use it, we can do that using instruments that have been approved by the FDA in drug trials, for instance. You know, so if a pharma company wants to test whether their drug is reducing fatigue, they will use a scale like the fatigue severity scale. And if they see a certain amount of mobility, they'll say, our drug is working. We as clinicians can do the same thing. And what's more important than that, if we're measuring these, uh, these symptoms using these scales, when an insurer says to us, prove to us that your therapy is working, we can show mobility on the fatigue severity scale. And we can say, listen, yes, I know that three months ago they were, they were reporting fatigue and they are still reporting fatigue three months right. on, but look at the change in fatigue levels. Or alternatively, we can say, Fatigue levels are not moving. We're not making a difference. We need to help this person get short or long-term disability benefits in place. And I think that one of the things that clinicians need to walk away from this talk from is they don't need to be helpless when a patient is telling them about symptoms that are largely sub subjective. They can measure those symptoms. They can measure some of the qualities of those symptoms and they can start to uh, you know, really, uh, really objectively categorize the symptoms that people are experiencing. Um, I also think it's just important for us to, to talk about the fact that the overwhelming narrative that we've heard both from clinicians and unfortunately from people with long COVID is I got all of these tests and everything came back normal. Yeah. Um, and you know, I got to say, we, we recently, in collaboration with the American Association for Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, um, published some consensus guidelines on treating autonomic dysfunction in long COVID. And, you know, one of the things we highlight is the fact that almost 70% of people with long COVID have autonomic dysfunction. And so when we do testing, like a 10-minute stand test, we see symptoms emerge. A 10-minute stand test is the, single, sing, is the simplest thing in the world. You stand for 10 minutes. What do we see as you stand for 10 minutes? We see your heart rate start to increase over time. Often we'll see your blood pressure start to increase over time as well. And we'll start to see changes to your skin tone. Your skin will start to go splotchy. If you, if I, it, it will start to go red. If I press on it, venous return will be slowed down and impaired. This is something that we're seeing in a huge proportion of our patients. It is a positive test for autonomic dysfunction. And in most people with long COVID, not all, 
but a majority, it is positive. So it is unacceptable for me to hear all the time, well, I went to my PCP and everything came back normal. Or when, or when all I need you to do is stand for 10 minutes in the same spot and your symptoms will emerge in most cases of long COVID. What that tells me is that our current clinical providers either are not giving patients 10 minutes of time to test these things, or they're unaware. Both of those outcomes are unacceptable. Right. We need more education. Uh, the website, if you're listening along, is longcovid.physio, and you can check out the details about the forum. 50 bucks, scholarships available. Uh, Darren and the team were very, very um, insistent on making sure that this was not a barrier to entry. Uh, and yes, everybody loves asking, will the replay be available? The answer is yes. Um, the second thing that you told us that you'd walk away from your keynote was how long COVID is an organic illness with emerging research that lines up biology and symptoms. Yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges through the pandemic as we have been exploring and trying to understand long COVID has been the fact that we have a whole lot of um, symptoms and in, in, an incredible symptom load that, that causes extreme debilitation for most people living with long COVID. But it's very hard to identify hard and fast blood biomarkers and physiological biomarkers of long COVID. And so what we want to explore today, uh, well, what we want to explore uh, um, in the long COVID forum, and we will talk a little bit about today, is the fact that um, in fact, we have been finding some pathobiological markers of long COVID. We have been seeing evidence of um, microclot formation, platelet dysfunction, of uh, autoimmune dysfunction, of uh, chronic inflammation. We have been seeing signs and symptoms of viral persistence. We have been seeing signs and symptoms of hormonal dysregulation. And these are all things that are measurable. And these are all things that as we start to characterize the problem a little bit more um, with, with a little bit more granularity, as we start to understand how uh, different endotypes of long COVID can exist, how you can have an autonomic dysfunction subtype of long COVID and an autoimmune subtype of long COVID and a viral persistence subtype of long COVID, we can start to see that some of the symptoms will line up with some of the biomarkers that we're tracking. Information so, we didn't have two years ago. Information we did not have two years ago, information we didn't have two months ago. So we're, we're really going to be presenting some data on the, on the very bleeding edge of long COVID discovery um, from our lab here at Mount Sinai, from our collaborators, at groups like Yale and the Polybio Research Foundation, as well as other groups around the world that have been doing some really intelligent and clever work. David knows how to do a radio segue because the uh, the third thing you said you would uh, talk about in your keynote is what's next in our research into infection-associated chronic disease. You actually just gave a talk for the Friedman Brain Institute at Mount Sinai where you went on for uh, quite a long time about how many of the different people you got to collaborate with people you didn't think you'd ever collaborate with in your career. And 
you know, and unfortunately it's for this, but showing the community that's coming together. So talk about, you know, the future state, what is next for in research into infection associated chronic disease? Yeah, I, I think on this front, we're really going to focus on uh, what's next in our lab and what we're, we're uh, excited about. So uh, certainly we're going to be collaborating with some really great folks um, and we'll be talking about um, some of the interventional clinical trials that we hope to bring to light because there has been, as everyone with the, within the long COVID community knows, there has been no shortage of let's look, listen, and study long COVID. There have been precious few let's intervene uh, studies with long COVID. And I know that that has been a source of great frustration to the long COVID community. It has also been a source of great frustration here within our team and within many of the teams that we collaborate with. But it has been very, very challenging to treat something when you don't know the underlying pathology that you're trying to treat. Um, it, it runs the risk that we'll have a lot of studies with negative results that really could be studies with positive results if you selected inclusion criteria more, more closely and more carefully with an underlying understanding of the pathology. But I think that we're ready for some interventional trials and I will talk about some initiatives that we're a part of that will be bringing interventional clinical trials to the forefront. Um, but with that in mind, we're also going to talk about some of the clinical trials and observational studies that we will be doing to better understand the symptoms of long COVID, better understand what it is that a person with long COVID means when they report to us that they are fatigued. Because one of the things that has been striking to me is that there are many languages of fatigue and, uh, and we only have one or two scales that will measure one of those languages. What we need to do is we need to better understand um, when someone says fatigue, what exactly do they mean? What is, again, to go back to right what we were talking about in the beginning, what is the quality? Let's not use a blunt instrument like the fatigue severity scale, which is what we're currently using because we don't have a better tool. Let's use a precision instrument to understand, is this fatigue because you have autonomic dysfunction? Or is it fatigue because your immune system is going haywire? Is it a combination of the two? Is it because of something else entirely? Um, our, the better we have an ability to understand that um, using very well-constructed instruments, the more likely we're going to be to be able to very quickly start to stratify the different endotypes of long COVID so that we can really take a precision medicine approach and treat people with specific medications according to their specific symptoms. So um, that's some of the, the work that I'm gonna talk about. The, this is ongoing work. This is work that is by no means perfect. It, it needs input from the community. Um, as you know, Jimmy, at, at the Abilities Research Center, we always say nothing about us without us. And so we hope to be absolutely engaging the long COVID community um, uh, as we start to answer some of these questions because they are the experts on their disease and we're just the support team. Uh, we usually do a thing on the show called three questions, but I'll, I'm going to change it to three people. Uh, so who are three people that um, 
have been instrumental in creating some of this information, who will be instrumental in creating some of this information in the future. This a chance is, you know, sort of a, a, a nod to some people who've been doing great work. Who are three people the audience should know more about? Um, I would say uh, 100% uh, Akiko Iwasaki is someone to, to look out for. She's one of the most brilliant um, uh, minds in immune uh, immune research and uh, and understanding autoimmunity uh, that, that's out there and check out her research. It's incredible. And we certainly would not be where we are in our understanding of long COVID without Akiko's work. Uh, similarly, Amy Prowell from the Polybio Research Institute um, is doing incredible work studying the effect of uh, persistent viruses um, on long COVID and other infection associated chronic diseases like ME-CFS and Lyme disease and many others. Um, Amy's work has been tireless and really impressive. So definitely check out what Amy's doing. Um, and then I'm, I'm gonna cheat and just do a, a, a sort of a, a third slash another, which, which is uh, definitely Risia Pretorius um, and Asad Khan. Um, these uh, two individuals that have just been working tirelessly and a, and a special shout out to Assad because he himself has been living with long COVID for a long, long time. And uh, I am constantly humbled by how much he can achieve by whilst battling incredibly debilitating symptoms. So uh, Risia and Assad uh, are part of a group that we affectionately call Team Clots, which is all about looking for microclots and platelet dysfunction uh, in the blood and bodies of, of people with long COVID and uh, their work has been really flawless. All right, we'll allow four on uh, on three people. That's fine. Uh, last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Again, the Long COVID Physio Forum. You can find out information at longcovid.physio. And yes, there will be a replay. Uh, David giving one of the keynotes there, as well as Emma Stokes from the World uh, World Physio. Uh, so the, the parting shot, what would you want the audience to be left with as we wrap up today's episode? Um, everything that we have learned from long COVID, uh, everything we have learned about long COVID up until this point has been learned because of the selfless collaboration of people with long COVID. So if you are a researcher or a clinician and you are not involving the long COVID community in your research and clinical practice guidelines, you are messing up. Don't mess up. Involve the community in all of your work. Yeah. Uh, David Petrino, work at the Abilities Research Center, Director of Rehabilitation Innovation at Mount Sinai Hospital System. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. We'll make sure everybody knows all about the uh, the Long COVID Physio Forum and the continuing work uh, that you do at Mount Sinai, as well as that resource, the Long COVID Physio. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Thanks to our friends from Physical Therapy and Balance Centers for supporting the show. Do you want to open a PT practice? How about thinking about selling your practice? You should know this. On average, a private practice that joins the physical network grows more than 40%. If you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced, 
post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintCast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.